Thank you, Hannah, for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on to, you know, my podcast and, you know, share a little bit uh, about yourself. So Hannah is a professional relationship and life coach. We'll just leave it at that. I know that we're going to get into a little more details. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Awesome. Good to hear that. So can you just give the viewers a little bit of uh, a backstory about Hannah? You know, just a little insight to your past and, you know, how you got to the point to where you are today. Yes, I'll give you the short version. Okay. So I uh, stumbled into the adult industry, the sex industry when I was 16 years old. And I was in that industry in a number of different ways until I was about 22, 23. And so I was in that world for a number of years. And I experienced what I consider like my spiritual awakening a handful mm -hmm. of years ago. And all of a sudden, my relationship with myself, with the person I was with at the time, with the work that I was doing, it was just completely different. And mm -hmm. so I knew that something needed to change. My values were clear. It was like I could see the light and I needed to do something different. And so I started my own healing journey because I quickly realized that after doing something for almost eight years and it being my livelihood, mm -hmm. there wasn't going to be an automatic like on off switch. Mm -hmm. You know, it needed to be something I actually kind of climbed my way out of and stabilized a different way of living. Mm -hmm. And so it took some time, but it was a complete transition eventually. And I, through my own healing journey, learned a lot and realized that I had unique and specific like codes, keys through my own healing journey to give to other people because of my unique background, my taboo mm -hmm. background, you know? And so I learned really quickly as I started my own coaching business a few years ago, four years ago now, that, wait, what year is it now? 2024, 20, almost five years. In a couple oh, months, wow. like five years. <laughs> um, I realized that people seem to feel very comfortable with me talking about things that they maybe have never talked about in their life. And so um, that was kind of like my superpower with helping people. And so I help people kind of all across the board, relationships, life, career, whatever it is that they need help with. But it tends to be things that they don't feel able to navigate themselves or comfortable sharing with anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so there's something I have like taboo tattooed on my forehead or something that just kind of draws people in and, and um, we're able to go really deep. So mm -hmm. that's the work that I do now. and it's all been part of the process. Well, hey, how did you know that you uh, needed to heal? And then how did you start to heal? Like what, what did that process look like? And where did you begin? You, like someone told you something like, oh, you should maybe do this, or maybe you started looking into it with spirituality or like, well, what does that mean? Like you started to heal and how did you know what to do? Mm -hmm. So great question. Really the answer that like how I knew I needed to heal was always boiling back down to my romantic relationships because mm -hmm. I was in this sex, sex world, sex industry, but I was always in a long-term relationship for mm -hmm. most of that time. Um, different ones, a few different ones. And so by the time that like everything kind of shattered and needed to be rebuilt, I was in a relationship. It was a three and a half year long relationship. We were about two years in when I had this whole wake up call and it was alarming how much of an issue this part of my life had consistently created in my romantic life mm. you know obviously you're a guy you can imagine mm. like you know it, it i mm. can imagine too it'd be very difficult to mm. love and be committed to and and like 
you know, start thinking about building your life with somebody who is also living a life that like is completely out of integrity with that. And so it was challenging. And I had a lot of ego around it of like, you can't control me. It's my life. You don't pay my bills type of a thing for a long time. And then part of my wake up call was realizing like how much ego that was Mm. and how that wasn't actually true. And that when I really got honest with myself, I was also in pain about what I was doing. It wasn't just negatively impacting my partners. It was negatively impacting me. And so that was the realization that was like, oh shit, something needs to be different. Mm -hmm. And then as far as the how, um, I'm a researcher. So I just like deep dove into everything that I could think of. And part of my spiritual awakening was paired with a, a huge loss. And so I started to get really curious about like seeing like a medium and seeing Mm. um, psychics and all these different healers to start to kind of get curious about like other parts of our reality that we don't see every day, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, that led me into a lot of different modalities. I did like Mm. a shaman inner child healing, soul retrieval. (laughs) I did. um, What, like ayahuasca? No, I'm going in April actually to sit with ayahuasca in Peru. So I'm really excited about that. She hasn't called to me until now, but (laughs) it's time. Um, Have you had some psychedelic experiences? I sat with combo, which isn't technically psychedelic. It's, you know, animal medicine, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a trip. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, 15, 20 minutes of suffering. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, yeah, I've used combo quite a bit in the last few Mm -hmm. months. And it's been a huge... I think a huge part of like clearing whatever needed to be cleared to open me up to city with ayahuasca. Do you think that when you were going to like uh, these kind of mystic people where they were, you know, reading you and, you know, telling you a little bit about how to heal, do you think that helped you a lot? Absolutely. Because it was like for the first time, somebody was speaking about something that I like on a deeper, higher level knew was true, even though I didn't Mm. understand it. And so it was like something beyond the five senses that I just knew there was something there for me. Mm-hmm. And so um, I really trusted the people that I was working with at that time. And um, yeah, I just started doing everything I could, meditating mm-hmm. all kinds of, I joined a three year long tantra practitioner training. Like I did a lot of things and um, a few different intensives in Peru, not mm-hmm. ayahuasca, but other things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was like, I kind of like fire hosed myself with the healing process. Mm. It was just like everything all at once. And then quickly that relationship that I was in started to unravel. We were Mm. no longer a match very fast. Mm. And then um, my next relationship came in very quickly after that Mm. breakup. And that was a huge catalyst in in the healing process as well. It was like, it felt like I had completely closed the chapter on certain patterns with relationships and like open the door to, to a, a new level. And so that mm. was a huge part of the healing process. Why did you jump right into a, another relationship? Were, were, were you like a little bit broken to where you couldn't be alone? You like, you needed someone else to make you feel like kind of whole? In hindsight, possibly mm. some of that playing out a little bit of like unconscious codependency or something along those lines. But at the time, no, like I, mm. So I had kind of felt like I was grieving that relationship for a little bit. We mm. had been long, like we met in the same town and we lived, we never lived together, but we were together often for about two years. And then the last year was long distance. I had moved away. Mm. And so there was already a lot of separation. We were growing apart. There was a lot of conflict. And so we both knew what was coming. Like it wasn't a jarring breakup, you know, mm. it was just like something we were dragging out. 
And so I think that helped with the grieving mm -hmm. process. And then um, this, the next partner was like, it was like a magic trick. It felt like there was nothing about it that felt planned or on purpose. Um, we connected through social media. It was very random. He lived in New York. I lived in California. We mm. fell in love virtually for like two months. And then he moved mm. in with me from across the country. It was this very like whirlwindy type of thing. And that was for about two years. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to like your childhood, uh, what, what was going on like in your family life? Because it seemed to me like I would just imagine someone who gets into the type of work that you got into at such a young age, uh, usually they have some problems with, you know, family troubles where they're like neglected. Was that the case for you? Yeah, definitely. So my parents split when I was about five mm -hmm. and my mom has had, had a severe drug addiction, like from mm -hmm. that point on. Mm -hmm. And I want to say it probably started when I was closer to like four. So, you know, mm -hmm. important developmental years, foundations yeah. are laid. And then, um, from five on, I was essentially raised by my dad alone. He had girlfriends here and there, but he was a single dad. And his emotional capacity <laughs> was maybe not up to par for what it needed to be to have two daughters alone. Mm -hmm. You know, so the short version is I think that I had learned how to tolerate a lot of mistreatment by that age already, by 16, mm. I learned that there was a lot of like normalcy in certain disrespectful ways of communication or relating or whatever. Mm. Being physically abused, um, like spanked, hit, beat, that kind of a thing. I'm such a huge proponent now of like, that's it's let's just remove that from the entire parenting repertoire because it doesn't help. You know, if a child is sad or crying or misbehaving and you spank them, you hit them, you physically hurt them, it doesn't change how they're feeling. You mm. know, it just represses it and makes it turn into mm. something bigger and worse later. And so um, I think that had a huge impact on it. I had learned very young that like my body wasn't something I was in complete control of and somebody could access it at mm. any point in time, you know, like based on how they felt versus how I felt. Mm -hmm. And so, um, a lot of stuff around like body boundaries and autonomy and all of that definitely played into why I was able to get on board with exchanging access to my body for a dollar amount. So you mentioned that you had a sister, right? Mm -hmm. Did she end up going into the same field that you did? No, she did not. She's, she's a couple years younger than me and she did it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So at such a young age, like 16, you know, you get into uh, the adult, the adult, like uh sex work right you know your dad like were you still living with your family like your dad must have known that something about what was going on he, did he not know at all or and, and if he did like why didn't he do anything to help you or where was he at yeah so at that time the very first time that i stepped into that world so the first two years or so of it was spotty it was like one oh. thing here one thing here it wasn't like um straight up yeah, yeah working you know yeah and so um at that point in time, I was living with my very first boyfriend and his parents. Oh. I moved out when I was 16. And okay. so I was living living with him for a year. And then I had moved out on my own. Um, and then I moved back in with my dad um, when I turned 19. And I had started working at a strip club. And so that was working, you know, every day I would go to work. And so um, I started buying a bunch of shit. <laughs> I would come home with like hundreds of dollars of groceries and like new stuff for my room <laughs> and whatever. And he's like, where are you getting this money? 
And so he started questioning me and he was very concerned. Mm. Um, but like I said, emotional capacity, you know, he didn't really know how to go about that. And so he was very aggressive about it. Like, tell me what the fuck you're doing before it's a problem and I have to kick you out mm. kind of a thing. And so I told him he was very mad. He, I don't know, he called me like stupid or a dumbass or something, left, slammed the door. And I didn't talk to him for a couple of days. And then the next time he approached me was a few days later. He asked, he didn't ask, he kind of demanded, told me that like, if I'm going to be living here and I'm making money and I'm doing what I want, I'm an adult. He can't stop me. But if I'm going to be in his house, I need to essentially kind of make it worth it. And mm. so I paid the rent, gave him, I just put the rent money under the door and he never mentioned it again. Mm. And I think like from that point on, he was able to kind of disassociate from the reality of what I was doing and just connect with like the entrepreneur side of it, mm. <laughs> you know, um, the mindset of why I was doing it and how I was doing it. He was able to get on board with that, even though mm. he was completely disapproving of what it actually was mm. and just you know, realize that he can't make those decisions for me, I guess. Mm -hmm. How is your relationship with him now? Great. Um, great. Oh. Yeah. I tell him about all my hippie, hippie things. I go <laughs> and have some shaman week in the forest for, yeah. <laughs> um, come back and I tell him all about it and how I was, you know, in a session on some journey with his higher self and we healed this part of his inner child, <laughs> like mm -hmm. all these things. And he's like, okay, that sounds crazy, but good. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, we, I have intentionally done a lot of repair in myself yeah. to repair that relationship and, and it's come along with the last like five years. Mm -hmm. Let's say you get into a new relationship now, right? Do you, are you like super honest with the, like the men that you meet and you tell them like exactly what happened in your past? And if you do, um, how do they kind of react or what do they say towards, you know, towards that stuff? So I have practical examples for you. <laughs> so um, I am in a new relationship. We've been like exclusively seeing each other for a couple weeks now. And so it's very new. And then a few months back, I was seeing somebody for about six weeks. And so for contrast, the person I was seeing before who I ended it with a couple months ago, it's a huge 180 difference between how he took it and how the person mm. that I'm with now took it. And so I think this is like valuable um contrast so the guy before he um i could feel it in myself like from the very beginning that i had a sense of anxiety around it i mm -hmm. had a sense of like insecurity or like fuck he's gonna judge me because there was an undertone of judgment all along mm -hmm. and so this was my reflection of like oh okay i knew how this was gonna go because this is kind of the energy i was getting from him from the start and so like what does that reflect about me what did i need to heal why did i need this experience that's where i went with it it wasn't his fault, but anyways, he, I like confessed about a week into the connection mm -hmm. and he, um, took some time, took maybe a few hours in the day where we weren't talking. He listened to my, my podcast episode that I have a solo podcast mm -hmm. and I recorded an episode. Mm -hmm. It's like two and a half hour long episode. It's like a movie, um, mm -hmm. about the whole entire story, like front to back. And he listened to that and came back we had like a three hour long conversation on the phone he asked me a lot of questions and i was just very clear that like i will answer your questions to a degree but this is not about me being interviewed or trying to prove to you that this is like you know worth your approval because that's mm -hmm. not i'm not in that game you know 
And so he, he valued my answers to things. Um, he asked me questions about like, how would you parent a daughter if she found out this and that, and, like, you know, serious questions. And so there was a good conversation that came out of it. But I think that the red flag for me in hindsight was how mistrusting of the whole and like judgmental of the whole thing he was to start. Mm -hmm. um, that spoke to a lot of the connection. And then with this man now, um, he's fully aware and it's like not even a conversation topic, <laughs> you know, he's very much more present with who I am versus any idea that he has in his head of who I might've been in the past or what I might've done or whatever. And so, um, yeah, I think from the highest perspective, it speaks to like how present he is in his own life in all areas versus mm -hmm. men in the past who are kind of not as centered as they could be. Things like this tend to bother them more. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Why do you think that, like, there was a, what, what are one of the biggest reasons you think relationships can, you know, last a longer time? What, like, what are some of the mis most common mistakes that people make inside a relationship? Um, looking for something that they don't have within themselves externally, 100% of the time. That's what's happening and that's the problem. <laughs> Um, it's like, if you're looking for your other half, for example, a lot of people say that you're going to find half of a person, mm -hmm. you know, you're not finding another person. That's also whole. You're mm -hmm. finding somebody that wants to be completed too. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that comes with a lot of expectations and projections and unconscious, um, like unspoken rules or expectations that somebody else is going to make you feel something that you might not feel in your life normally happiness, joy, pleasure, whatever it is. And then that person now is like the steward of your life experience. Hmm. That is disempowering by nature. And so eventually that leads to conflict where you don't feel valued. You don't feel good enough. They're taking advantage of you, whatever. And um, I think that the antidote to all of it is personal responsibility, mm -hmm. realizing that, and it's nuanced. It's like both things are true at once. One hand, you are the only person that can feel what you're feeling. You know, nobody is making you do anything. You're having your own internal experience always. So they can't be blamed. But also as a consenting adult, you're not hostage or a volunteer in that situation. And so you have to be able to be empathetic enough to see your impact from one another. So it's like having empathy for each other's process and also realizing that you are individuals, no matter how close you feel, you're still on your own individual paths. You're just choosing to do it together. Mm -hmm. And keeping that boundary, I think, is so important because if you don't, it blurs that line and then you see them as your happiness or you see the other person as your security. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is a piece outside of you now that you will always feel a lack of wholeness around internally. Do you think people just don't look inside themselves and so they don't even realize that they're not a whole person? Yeah, I think people don't even know how. They don't even know to do it. You know, because it's like you see movies and stuff and it's like you find each other and, oh. and things are, are good. It's like one plus one equals two. And so the whole model is that there's something you're supposed to be finding. And it's not usually something inside. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I can't think of a single movie that really models that. Maybe Eat, Pray, Love. Oh. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so but what do you recommend for like those people who don't even know that there's like a piece of them missing and they're going out and they're trying to find it in someone else. Like they don't even know it. Like, what would you say to that person? Can you even like tell them anything to make them recognize that? Mm -hmm. Super practical. 
make a list of the things that you desire the most in a partner, the most, like you want somebody that makes the coffee before you have to get out of bed. You want somebody that kisses you this specific type of way, because it means X, Y, Z to you, like get specific as much as possible, make that list and then go through that list and see which one of those things you don't have. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, why are you not willing to make yourself coffee earlier in the morning with sweetness mm. and love? Is it because there's a part in you that doesn't feel like it's worth your time and effort because you aren't worth your time and effort? You know, when you start digging in, it reveals those little creaky places where you are not valuing yourself the way that you're hoping somebody else will. Mm. And then you can start to do that. You can start to kind of rise to the occasion, meet the standards you want to hold for someone else, yourself. And then the other person is a natural fit in your life instead mm. of something that you have to cling on to and be insecure, anxious or avoidant or whatever about losing once you have because you know it's something that's already stable inside of yourself and this mm. is just the outside mirror of it mm. not something that you have to um, cling on to what about the people inside of a relationship like currently what if they don't recognize that they are trying to get you know so they're trying to get whole by their other partner but their other partner is not like providing their needs and they don't even realize that that it comes from within yourself how would you tell someone that in a relationship and they're like not getting along? Like, would you recommend they break up? Would you recommend that they just heal them? Like, I don't know. It's hard to explain to someone um, kind of the problems that they're having. Cause I feel like they don't listen when I, when I would like recommend something. Yeah. People don't listen. You're right. <laughs> they don't listen. And I think that um, I think that that resistance to hearing what it is that's being said comes from, you know, like if somebody is in an abusive relationship, for example, any kind mm. of relationship toxic, they might go to their parents or their sisters or their friends or their brothers, or whatever, and be like, oh my God, this guy, this girl, they're treating me like this again. And it's this whole pity party, this whole poor me story. But they go back and they make that person dinner or they go back and they mm. sleep in the same bed with that person. You know, and so it's like there's a disconnect between what they're saying they want and don't want consciously and what they're unconsciously actually available for. And so shining light on both of those things and allowing the person to see for themselves where those aren't coming up, I think is the doorway. Because if you just tell somebody, hey, what you say and what you do doesn't add up, people are like, well, fuck you. Like, I don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because that, like, uh, pops their balloon around what they think is going on. Mm. It pops the whole illusion. And so to actually get real and face like, you're right. I say, I want somebody that respects me and that like honors my time. My time is so valuable to me, but my boyfriend is late every single time we have plans. Mm. I'm going to stop making plans with him. You're right. And so it's like seeing that disconnect, what is the gap? And then you taking responsibility for filling mm. it whatever needs to be done. Do you need to have a conversation? Do you need to ask, like ask them for what you need? Do you need to leave the relationship? That's going to be different for every person mm. in every situation. But I think it's a matter of seeing the gaps between what you desire and what you tolerate mm. so that you can close them on purpose and mm -hmm. realize you're the only one that can. Do you think that's a lot harder for people who are deeper into a relationship, like a longer term relationship? And they just kind of like, sacrifice a lot of the things in in their relationship and kind of lost themselves as opposed to just like fixing it off the start and you know if this person isn't willing to 
uh, do certain things like uh, that you're not comfortable with when you're setting boundaries uh, and you just cut them off from the start instead of, you know, sacrificing so much. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that that's part of the learning curve for all mm. healing is like, um, I mean, it's been a big part of mine for sure with relationships, especially, but this can show up in any of our relationships, friends or family or whatever, where it's like the, the time that it takes for you to stop tolerating the thing that you don't mm. actually want it will get shorter and shorter and shorter. And so it's not necessarily a flip switch of like, I'm never going to tolerate somebody that looks at other girls while we're on dates ever yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, your next partner does it on the fourth date and you break up. It's been a month instead of a year, you know? So it's like, yeah. it gets shorter and shorter and shorter mm -hmm. until it's just no longer a thing until it's mm -hmm. just no longer something you experience, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that, I think that the illusion is that it is quote unquote harder to do this mm. in a relationship because there's attachments, there's projections, mm. there's a whole like false reality in your mind of what you think um, the relationship could be or whatever. And so it's, it's like, if you start to really do your own inner work, that becomes a threat to everything that the relationship is mm. at that time. You know, so it's like, there's, there's more on the table to navigate. But I wouldn't say it's actually harder because at the end of the day, the, the work you have to do is in yourself. And mm -hmm. so like the external, it's just whatever stories you're making about it. Mm -hmm. Why do you think people stay in a relationship that they kind of like deep down don't even like? Yeah, because it. so I think that on any decision we ever make, pretty much we're motivated by safety in some way. And so it's like if a person grew up in a household where somebody treated them like shit, and then they're in an, out, an adult relationship where somebody treats them like shit in their conscious adult mind. Of course, they don't want that. They're not going to say, you know, I'm going to look for somebody that interrupts me and calls me stupid. Mm. Like they're not looking for that, but then they find it because that's what they're an energetic match for. Mm. It's not a mystery. They, they match with that. And then they tolerate it because they don't have any um, embodied wisdom or experience of what something else could be. So it's like you can fantasize. I want someone that treats me like this and treats me like that, takes me on dates and does all these things. But if you've never actually received it, then it's like I picture like when you go to a different country, you have to get like a voltage adapter thing for the plug in, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you just straight up plug something in that it's not ready for. It'll mm -hmm. fuck it all up. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so same idea. It's like you could say you want someone that buys you flowers every day. No man mm -hmm. has ever bought you flowers. And then tomorrow someone shows up with a thousand roses like it's not sustainable. It's not a change you can actually handle. And so that's what I mean with closing that gap is like, what, what's the, the shadow that's holding that gap open? Because mm -hmm. that's where you have to go in and find it in yourself, shine some mm -hmm. light on it. You're like, Oh, I actually kind of believe that I'm worth being treated like shit sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so that's what needs to heal. And then I'll never tolerate it outside of myself ever again, mm -hmm. because it's not true inside. So how do you, how do you like change your energy to match like maybe a frequency that attracts like your, like your ideal partner? Not, not that they have to make you whole, but just like the person that would be awesome to do life with their whole and your whole, like, how can you attract that? So I'll give a really grounded example because this one I think applies to everybody in some way is like, if you think about food, mm -hmm. if you are eating trash, you know, you're eating a bunch of fast food and chips and like a bunch of things that you know you probably shouldn't be eating do you eat like that for day in day out for a week you feel like shit by the mm -hmm. end of it you know because the frequency that you're putting into your body 
which becomes your embodied frequency is dense. It's artificial. It's not high vibration, you know, versus you go on some retreat somewhere and you eat some beautiful farm to table thing for the whole week. You go home and you're like on cloud nine. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the little tiny micro moments where you have to make a decision about what you say yes to, what you say no to, um, how you treat yourself, how you talk to yourself in the mirror, how you, mm. um, what kind of, like, let's say you really enjoy slow mornings, but you always get out of bed late. You know, you start creating more space in your morning so that you can meet your own needs. You start feeding yourself better foods because you don't want to feel bad at the end of it when you eat bad foods. Mm -hmm. And so it's like in those little tiny micro decisions, realizing that everything you're doing is energetic every single thing you pick the broccoli or you pick the hot cheetos they have different frequencies that you are consuming mm -hmm. you know and they impact your frequency and so just realizing that you are kind of like the master of 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 your energetics through your decision making power you can choose higher vibrational things you can choose lower vibrational things and eventually those little decisions become your life mm -hmm. they become everything you know the moments add up to what is your life when you look back on it mm -hmm. so how do you like how do you personally meditate um because i i meditate every day too and i really well i just started recently because I, I messaged you got out of that relationship and then i really started to look inwards and meditation is one of the best things I've ever done. But I, I'm curious on like what you do personally. Like mm -hmm. when you're when you're sitting there with your eyes closed, are you like doing a guided meditation? Are you doing it just silent? Are you like envisioning certain thought? Like what do you do? This is such a fun answer for me right now because <laughs> I'm reflecting on like my journey with meditation. Okay. So in the very beginning, I couldn't tolerate it almost. Like I could only do like mm -hmm. a five minute guided meditation. Like sitting in silence felt like torture. My nervous system was so dysregulated and chaotic. I could not meditate. So for anyone that's listening that wants to meditate and thinks that you can't, quote unquote, can't, you can. Your nervous system just needs to be trained. <laughs> you need to baby step it. So I would do five minute, 10 minute, 20 minute guided things only. And then eventually I started to sit in silence and I would work up to sitting in silence every day for like an hour. And um, it was just a very um like in real time reward it's like wow i felt all this shift i felt so much clearer i got this like very clear intuitive download or whatever and so i started to see the value in my own experience which made me want to do it more and more and more and though at that time it was really just sitting in silence like mm -hmm. sitting just focusing on observing what's happening that's about it um asking setting some intention maybe asking like calling upon guides gods angels whatever everybody that wants to be here speak to me, you know, mm -hmm. tell me what I need to see. What do I need to hear? Just allowing myself to be as open as possible to receive anything, guidance, hearing, knowing, visuals, whatever, um, from some source of like unconditional love, light guidance. Mm -hmm. And then um, with that Tantra training that I did be to become a Tantra teacher, it's a specific um, lineage of Tibetan Buddhist Tantra. And so Tantra, a lot of people hear that word, they think about sex. Tantra can have a sexual component to it, but it's not inherently sexual. It's um, it's like yoga for your energy body. Mm. And so meditation is a huge part of Tantra and a specific, different lineages have different specific meditation practices. And so I do those meditations quite a bit where it's silent, I guide myself through it. It's a visualization process, it has to do with working with the elements. And then now, things continue to just get kind of like more shamanic 
And mm. so I just feel like my meditation is all over the place. I can mm. sit in silence at a stoplight for 30 seconds and have like conversation with ISIS up here and then I'm back in the traffic, you know? So it's kind of like, it feels really nice actually to reflect that my meditation feels so much more integrated into my life now. Mm. And it, it can be done in silence. It can be done with music. I allow my intuition to guide it at this point more than anything mental. Mm. So what if like you have a really busy day, right? And mm-hmm. you're just, you have, you have so many things going on. Do you always make time for meditation or are you like, dang, sometimes, you know, I just had too much going on today. I feel really bad for not being able to sit down by myself and, you know, just reflect inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do not make time for meditation every single day. If there's something going on, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, last weekend, I was driving all around California. I was in the car for like five hours a day doing things every day. So it was a busy weekend and I didn't, I was, you know, ungrounded pretty much the whole time. Mm. And so um, when I have times like that, I also, this is a little bit different as a woman because different points in the month, I'm experiencing different things hormonally. You know, mm. so at times I might be more in, more reflective, more yin energies where meditation is like all I want to do. And other times it might be more outward, more um, energetic, more something that has to do with like action versus Mm -hmm. stillness. And so I do something every single day that allows me to check in with and and or move my energy. So I don't Mm -hmm. allow myself to be stagnant energetically, but that could look like meditation one day because that's what I needed. And then the next day I am like, screaming and hitting pillows for five minutes because I just needed to move a bunch of energy because I felt like a fight response in my body and I'm irritable and whatever. And sitting in stillness is not going to help my nervous system in that state. <laughs> you know, so I've gotten really attuned to what's going on in my body. Mm. Do I need stillness? Do I need movement? Like what needs to be moved? Mm. What's going to serve me? And then I reach for that tool, but always with the intention to connect with myself and, and listen to my body. Mm um when you don't meditate or like move that energy around do you feel like any sort of difference in your life on that day and 100%. what is that like 100 <laughs> percent. um i feel like an asshole in like oh, five seconds really um, other people probably don't see it as drastically but i feel it internally um because i've done so much work in the last five years on myself and specifically like a lot of somatic healing so i'm I've done a lot of like body work and deep trauma release and repatterning and rewiring involving my actual body versus just like talk therapy, you know? So it's, it's like things that have been stuck energetically, traumas, past experiences, past life things, mm. whatever. I've been so cleared, not to say I'm 100% healed. I don't think mm. anybody ever is, but like I have so much space in my system now and so much attunement to it that even the subtlest things I notice and I'm like, Oh, no, I can't do that. Like in traffic, if somebody cut me off or something happened that was like jolting, I might literally, when I get to where I'm going, like, like punch the seats and scream in the car for 30 seconds before I get out, just to come back to center and complete that nervous system Mm. activation, because that's what happens. We get bothered, we get annoyed, we're stressed out, we're tired. And those, those reactions in our nervous system never get their 15 minutes. They all just get piled on top of and then we don't have any space for anything and we're overwhelmed and burnt out and depressed and anxious. And yeah. So like even a little bit of buildup and I'm like, 
oh, I gotta get this out of me. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah right. So, away. when you first started, you were saying that your nervous system couldn't even handle, you know, even five minutes of just sitting there by yourself. And in the past, like I've tried to like meditate, like on like through different parts of my life, probably like twenty times, and I've never stuck with it. And now I've meditated for more days in a row than I ever have in history. And I actually feel like the benefits now. But why, uh, why when you're going through that, you couldn't even handle it? Why did you stick with it? Like it just seems like not very easy to do that to not see yeah. the benefits and then just continue with it. Yeah. So that's definitely what I mean with like the whole deep trust in the people that I was working with at the time with oh. the spiritual mentorship. There was definitely some higher self guidance there of like a knowing that this is something I want to learn mm. versus just allowing my like 3D experience to dictate my decision. Mm. You know, it's like nobody likes going to the gym the first fucking time they go to the gym, yeah. <laughs> you know, but if you want the result, you keep going. And yeah. so that was what it was. I really wanted what I knew could possibly come out of it. And then I guess just like with any great thing that you set out on, the reward really is bigger than what you ever could imagine when you do stick with it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yesterday I was interviewing this girl and she kind of does card readings herself and I've never done one before, but she really wants me to do one with her. So I'm curious for your experience. Uh, what did, what did they tell you and did it like kind of play out or I don't know what happened. So she does tarot is what she does. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for whatever reason, tarot has not, been a high thing on my list when it's come to like just things that i've been interested in or attracted to or whatever so i think i've had one tarot reading before and I thought you said that she did readings for you or you did readings and stuff to heal yeah yeah, yeah. like psychic oh. readings akashic records readings um okay. a lot of different different um different things but most of them have been more energetic versus like something that's a tool that she's using like the tarot cards mm. And so with the tarot cards, I think they're cool. Like, I think it's cool. I, you know, I'm very much under the impression that all of everything is connected. You know, we are a huge web of energy. It's all in flow with each other. Mm -hmm. And we can source that intelligence, that wisdom, that power that is everything from anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like divination. You can call upon the divine mm -hmm. through anything. And so I think that there are trusted resources or tools that people have studied and turned into a practice over mm. long periods of time, like tarot, you can, you know, pull a card and it means X, Y, Z. And they're like, you know, but you could also use Instagram as a divination tool. You could say like, okay, holding it, holding the phone to your heart. Like I need clarity on what I should start with today. You swipe your feet and trust that the first thing that comes up is like mm. the answer you're supposed to need, mm -hmm. you know? So I think tarot is a really cool tool. Um, and I would say that like the accuracy of it is um, dependent on number one, how surrendered the reader is to trusting what's coming through, because that's what it's all about is just trusting. Um, and then how accurate the timeline is, because mm. I also believe that there's a lot of possible timelines. And so mm. somebody mm. like I've had psychics or whatever tell me things that became true way, way, way later, or like mm. could have been true and then didn't because of my own free will choice to go this way instead of that way. And so it's like, yes, I love all of that kind of stuff and take it with a grain of salt that like you are still your best mm. guide, you know, but it can really be useful for like 
giving you direction or confirmation on direction you're already feeling. So do you like, uh, like the law of attraction? Mm -hmm. Do you believe in that? I do too. I just curious. So what do you think about that? Yeah, for sure. I think like it is, it's the way of the world, you know, like (laughs) everything is energy. Like same thing, like I was saying with the relationships, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's not ever a mystery when people are unhappy in relationships. It is Mm. never a mystery. It is a direct reflection of what's going on energetically. And Mm. so, um, yeah, that one is usually a hard pill for people to swallow. I'm like, wait, (laughs) is not something happening to me? (laughs) You know? Do you believe you can like manifest anything though? Like, 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 let's say you wanted a relationship with your ex back. Uh, actually, I, no, I don't want to say that. Actually, <laughs> I don't. I don't even want to call that into the universe. But uh, let's 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 go to a different subject. Um, what makes a relationship last forever? Tell me that. A ten out of ten commitment and devotion to yourselves primarily, and mm. then to each other second. Mm, so you come first before your significant other. Yes. And how do you do that um, sometimes? Because it feels like if I were to do that with a girl, she would kind of be upset about that. Like, she, oh, you don't you don't take enough time for me. You know, you're you're always doing you're always working. You're always blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. How would you deal with that? Yeah. So I think this gets real nuanced, a lot of gray area, which is my favorite. Um, it's like realizing. So this is what I meant when I said this earlier. It's like both things are true in a conscious relationship that's going to last. On one hand, both people recognize that they are 100% responsible for their own emotional experience. And then number two, you also have to recognize that you impact each other. It's not just like, well, Mm. it doesn't matter that I was rude to you today because your emotions are yours and I didn't make you feel Uh, offended. You know, mm. like you can't just be like, it's not so black and white. It's like, um, let's say you're having a heavy workload or something, you're stressed out at work. And so you might come home to your partner stressed out. And so the personal responsibility piece is like, hey, baby, I'm really fucking stressed right now. I don't have the space for talking about what you said you wanted to talk about today. Can we just eat dinner and like be in silence? Because I want to be able to have this conversation with you, but I can't do it right now. And so it's like you are asking for your needs to be met while also acknowledging the importance of what she's wanting from mm. you. So it's that balance of like recognizing all the time that you can't give what you don't have. Mm. And so if you are stressed, you're not going to be able to have a calm, productive conversation. If you are hungry, you can't talk to her about what, you know, she's Mm. trying to talk to you in that moment. So it's like meeting your own needs has to be first. And then at some point you, you, you discern like, is this a need that I meet for myself? Is this a need I can help ask her to help me with? Um, et cetera. It just depends on whatever's coming up. But I think the bottom line is seeing each other as teammates, for your own individual ascensions versus mm. something that you actually come fully together you know like on a soul level we all want that we just want to merge <laughs> but in this human world we need separation in order to navigate mm-hmm. do you think it can work uh, in a relationship with someone who is a whole person by themselves and someone who you know kind of depends on someone else for a little bit of their happiness do you think that can work out no I think that that, like just the way that you said it, no. I think that that can work for a short amount of time with the conscious effort on the person who needs to do more healing to heal. Like Mm -hmm. if the person who is more whole than the other 
is, you know, they, they love this person. They, they see their potential. They want to be there for them. I think that that is absolutely healthy and something that I've seen done. And I think is a great way to deepen your relationships and to mm. use a relationship as the container that I see it as, which is like a super sacred initiation for your own personal growth. So if like, if let's say me and you are in a relationship and you're way more healed than I am and I have work to do, you could choose to be in that relationship with me, but the only way it could be healthy is if you have strong, strong boundaries around what is the difference between supporting my efforts to heal while holding standards of what it needs to be eventually and crossing that line into mm. tolerating or playing the martyr of like, I'm the one that's healed. So I'm going to be here for them on their journey. And really deep down, you're outsourcing a sense of validation for yourself. Mm. Being with someone that is like, you're seeing them as somehow lesser than or farther behind. And you're like doing them a service <laughs> by being with them, you mm. know? And so it's like just radical responsibility for where your intentions are coming from, what your motivations are and how much patience you choose to have. You know, um, I've been with people before where they were farther behind in XYZ way. And I tolerated it for a long time without any mm. progress. And then I've been with other people where I've had stronger boundaries and communication and they've chose to rise to the occasion and times when they didn't, you know? And so I think it's a, it's a like situation to situation, but the goal I would say is for people to both be connected to their own truth, what they desire the most and see how they can do that together without sacrificing themselves. Mm -hmm. So when you're first like starting to talk to someone and, you know, start dating them, how can you tell if they're like, they haven't healed yet? Like what would be some, red flags, you'd be like, oh, this person, you know, still has some like things they need to work through. I would definitely say things that they um, like announce or talk about often that don't seem important to you that aren't like that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. That's probably an insecurity. Um, like I've experienced this before with massage, like giving um, a past partner a massage and during the massage, which is, you know, everybody knows this is supposed to be quiet. <laughs> it's like a quiet relaxing experience they kept saying like um oh my my scrawny biceps or like mm. you know making comments about themselves that aren't necessarily nice but also are like totally out of nowhere it, set, it seems like those are insecurities mm. um, when somebody's like naming the things that they hope you're okay with it's an insecurity and so um people having insecurities alone isn't a red flag but how much they bring it up and like what they're looking for when they do it's like are they going to need reassurance about their scrawny biceps for the rest of their life mm -hmm. is that something they can you know take responsibility for at some point or just accept at some point so it's just like really keeping your finger on the pulse of like when things come up for that person how do they handle it not that nothing comes up but mm -hmm. do they make it your responsibility to fix do they have any expectation that you are the thing that soothes them or are they able to self-soothe and ask you for support when needed? That I think is the difference. So if you were dating someone and you realized that, you know, they weren't all the way healed, would you just kind of end it there already? Or would you see where things go? For me, no, definitely not. Because I say this to my clients all the time. Like if you're not dead, you're not done. Like there's something, you know, even if mm. you feel like you've healed everything up until this moment, maybe tomorrow mm. some crazy shit happens that you have to yeah. deal with. 
you know? And so it's like, we're here to have the experience. And so mm. I have, like, it's both and I have fierce boundaries when it comes to my relationships of like what I will and will not deal with because of how much work I've done and how much integrity I have for what I tolerate in my own self. Like I uphold that with a man too, mm. but I also have like a deep well of compassion for somebody that needs to work on something if I can see that they truly are. And I say are, not that they truly want to, because everybody in theory wants something. We all want to be ripped. We all want to have perfect peace and harmony. We all want a million dollars, but what are you actually doing mm -hmm. about it? You know, so if I see that a person shows up for their own desires, and when they have uh, you know, a moment where they're like, oh shit, I can see this part of myself that's healed or un un um, un unhealed or uh, wounded, and I see how it's impacting the relationship, do they have an ego around it? Do they have to argue about it? Or are they able to be like, oh yeah, whoa, okay, I, I see that, that's a blind spot, now I can do this about it. Like how quickly can the person drop the ego and move forward with action for repair? Mm. That's what I look for. It's not about mm. do they need to heal, it's about are they willing to heal? Mm. Yeah. What are some of the boundaries that you like to enforce or some boundaries that you think are good uh, in your opinion in a relationship? For me yeah. personally, I, so this is, was another contrast between the last person and the person I'm with now. And one of the reasons why I ended things mm. is because it felt like the most subtle, subtle, subtle form of like disrespect, kind of like a, yeah, lack of respect. When I would talk about things that were really important to me that he didn't have the same care about like all of my spirituality things we'd be on a walk for example i'd see a little coyote take off in the distance or something and i'd be like oh what do you think that means <laughs> like i should google that when i go home something just hippie woo woo you know and he would look at me and kind of like roll his eyes a little bit mm. and so that was like i can't deal with that no i'm not going to deal with that because this is something that feels so sacred to my life that is such a huge part of how i see the world it's a huge part of who I am, how I relate to life. And if somebody rolls their eyes at a part that feels fundamental to me, then that's not a safe connection. That's not mm -hmm. a person I can trust with my whole self. And so severed right there, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, no, red flag. Um, so to make that like more applicable to anybody, it's like getting clear on what you value the most. What mm -hmm. are you willing to protect the most? Uh, what needs the most protection in your life and upholding boundaries around that with the person you're investigating. So if uh, let's say you were like a whole person uh, that doesn't exist, but let's just in this imaginary scenario and you know, you really like this girl, she's a, a whole person as well, but then you take her back to your family and they hate her, right? Mm -hmm. They hate her. What would you do? Would you even care? Would you take that into yeah. consideration or doesn't matter? I think it depends on why they hate her, <laughs> you know, is it because there's actually truth in what they're seeing and you are maybe blinded by the love or the lust or whatever in the beginning. And, and there's, there's truth to it that you should consider, mm. or is it coming from their own ego? Because, you know, most of us that are on any sort of healing journey, our families aren't, mm. um, our parents aren't. And so it's like, mm. is it their shit that they're projecting onto mm. her because she embodies something that they don't? Mm -hmm. And so like, is she a threat to their egos 
Uh, because if that's the case, then no, it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> you know, maybe this is the mirror they need in their lives yeah. to start their healing journey <laughs> versus like um, just taking it at face value. Like, oh, my mom doesn't like you. So that must mm -hmm. mean, you mm -hmm. know, like okay. what is mom working with? Is she, does she even have the, the baseline of healing in herself to make that judgment? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, do you think that soulmates exist? 100%. Yeah. I 100% think that soulmates exist. I do not all believe that there's one person for us. Mm. Um, and this is where I think the free will and the different timelines comes in. It's like mm. your soulmate could be your dog. Your soulmate could be your first mm. grade teacher. Your soulmate could be your parent. It could be your best friend. It could be your partner. Um, I think that when it comes to rom romantic soulmates, that there are different types of them, different levels of them soulmates that are totally karmic where it's like you guys are contracted to come together in this lifetime for the sake of learning lessons and going your separate ways like i think that that's a soulmate mm. you know it doesn't mean that something failed their exit from your life could be just as divine as their entrance into your life because that's what you guys signed up for this time around mm -hmm. you know and so just really trusting everything from the higher level and knowing that like when you feel like you're connected to a soulmate you probably are trusting yourself but, but that doesn't mean that you have to be with that person. I think that's where the attachment comes in. And then people, mm. you know, there's a lot of pain associated with the idea of soulmates because it's like this longing thing when I think it's more casual than that because mm. our souls are all connected. So it makes sense mm. to me that there are a handful of people at least that you're deeply connected to. Mm -hmm. Would you ever get married? I would. Yeah. I'm super, super delusionally romantic. So yes. Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't expect that. You just, you just said like, even if you meet your soulmate, like you probably, you know, you're not, I don't know, but no, uh, I mean, yeah, I've, I've talked about it with past partners and stuff where like, I don't even care about the legal part of it. I would be cool to not even legally get married. I don't uh, care. But just like to have the, the celebration the ceremony mm -hmm. part of it. And it's like the, yeah, the acknowledgement that this is our commitment feels, feels special to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Thank you. Uh, taking up the hour now. So I want to thank you for coming on. I, I had a lot of fun talking to you. I love the way that you look at life because I, I think a lot of the same things. So uh, just can you tell everyone where to, you know, find out what you're doing? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This has been very fun. Um, I have, I'm working on my website currently. If you go to hannahspanky.com, S-P-A-N-K-E. Um, hannahspanky.com you can just join the mailing list if you want to stay in touch on the homepage. it's pretty basic it's all being rebuilt currently and then instagram is probably my home on the internet so at hannahspanky there you can follow me stay in touch that's where all of my most um frequent and updated offers content wisdom lives awesome cool well thanks uh yeah i hope you had a good time um did thank you for having me